0: Made the the 18 uh, month mark that we've done the replant. It was uh, sometime in October of 2010 that this congregation voted to uh, commission me and send me out to replant a church in Mid City Baton Rouge, and we opened it to the congregation for those who feel, felt led to be part of that mission adventure. And uh, 60 of us went. 20% of the congregation uh, left felt led to go and, and uh, follow in obedience to God to replant this congregation in Mid-City Baton Rouge that had dwindled down to about 15 people. In its heyday, there were over 300. And numbers don't, don't mean anything. Uh, I, it doesn't mean everything, but it means something. Uh, that's an indication of what had happened with that particular congregation. Uh, some of uh, the Crosspoint members who left, uh, they're still there. Uh, they'll stay there as long as God tells them to stay there, and uh, who knows what the future will hold. Some have come back. I uh, you know that the Kellys, Castellos, uh, and actually the Morrisons, you're still at Grace, but your parents are out of town. So I know that's why that's why Cole and Carly and, and Grant are here. Um, but the replant has been going um, very well. Uh, the... The last eighteen months has been sort of a, a whirlwind. Um, you may have noticed I've put on maybe seven to ten pounds, uh, perhaps, uh, but it's been sort of a, a whirlwind, and it has been one of the most challenging seasons of my life. but it's also been one of the most rewarding seasons of my life. And the scripture is going to inform us of that. you'll You'll learn a little bit why it's been uh, so so satisfying. Uh, the, the work has been worth it all. But uh, I want to do a report on Uganda, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But our missions locally is tied to our missions globally. Uh, we can't ignore one. It's not either or. It's, it's both and. And uh, I don't know who said it, but um, all the, through the years, I've heard the line that the light that shines furthest shines brightest at home. And so we are a congregation uh, Cross Point that is being obedient to the Great Commission both uh, locally and globally, and an evidence of God's grace to us is uh, Grace Baptist Church and the replant over there. Uh, Kevin is there this morning. Uh, we did a pulpit swap, and I think when Kevin mentioned that, somebody asked, "Why are we getting rid of the plexiglass pulpit here at Cross Point?" And he's well, I, not not physically. Uh, so anyway, maybe he was kidding. Uh, Just a brief report on that update, last Sunday we had our first members meeting. Everyone received a member pack over at Grace Baptist Church, and basically everything I know is in this packet, and I gave it to the new members. I said, okay, now we're on the same page, and uh, it's time to go into phase two. And phase two, if you remember the, the replant that we voted on a year and a half ago, would mean that new members would join, there would be a new members class that would be offered, The bylaws constitution would be reinstated with any uh, revised amendments, and that's where we're at now. So that's what happened last week at at the members' meeting. But that Sunday that the Cross Point congregation voted, my wife and I, uh, we were actually in Houston, Texas, visiting her family, and the Whitsons were in Texas at the same time in Houston, and we went to church together. And while uh, I was praying for the congregation here who was going to be voting. Uh, their children's sermon there, uh, the children were passed a stone. And when the kids came back to the pew with their little stone, written on the front of it was grace. And, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not superstitious, things like that. Um, I was like, Lord, give me a sign. What's what's the vote going to be? Uh, so there, there was, for those of you who weren't here, Uh, There were, I think, 166 votes, 164 yes and two no. And one of the no votes is now at Grace. And uh, the the other uh, no vote was a guy who, uh, he said, you told us vote our conscience, and I just didn't want to see everybody leave. So, um, but he said, I'll pray for you. The uh, replant has been uh, tremendous, and I want us to look at the word, Philippians chapter two, to see why. Uh, this has been such a, a tremendous and rewarding journey for all of us. Uh, for, for those of you who, who are not familiar uh, with the replant, you can probably get a copy of the proposal that was voted on. You can talk to Kristen or T or Kevin and they'll, they'll give you a, if you're a member, you can get a copy of that. And uh, just to be informed of what mighty work God has, has been doing um, in the life of Crosspoint ever since its inception. As you're turning to Philippians 2, I just want to give uh, just a, a personal update. We're doing well. You can see Cynthia and uh, Ethan, Liam, and Aaron. And Rachel's uh, next door. When we first got to Cross Point, uh, Aaron was 10 weeks old, and she'll start kindergarten here in the fall. So, uh, this season of life, I turned 30 here at Cross Point. It was a Wednesday night after um, the musical worship team practice. Wendy made some cupcakes. And uh, I thought, well, this is how I bring in my big 3 0. You know, eating cupcakes here in the bubble, and uh, it, was, it was really great. So Cynthia and I are enjoying uh, this season of ministry with Crosspoint and at Grace, and uh, who knows what God will do, but I do beg on some days that he just keeps me here uh, in Baton Rouge, and we're going to see this in the text as well. Uh, one, one bit of news that I uh, want to share is that Rachel, uh, my Rachel is going to be a big sister, yeah, that's your reaction. <laughs> Cynthia and I were like, what? <laughs> we, uh, we know how it happens, and we were responsible. We've done everything we know to do to be responsible. So it was uh, God's sovereignty, and we are, we're excited uh, that God is, is uh, choosing to be sovereign and entrusting us um, with, with more children. So it is exciting. <laughs> the water that we were drinking. No, sir. Uh, well, uh, anything else? That's probably about as personal as we can get. Oh, drop it? Okay. Stay on script? Right, get back to the text. Good word. All right, Philippians 2, verse 19. Let's read together. I'll read aloud, and you, you read along. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. The words uh, of Paul to this congregation. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I also may be encouraged when I hear news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interest. All seek their own interest, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice when you see him again and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in honor, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life. To make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. There are basically two aspects in this text this morning. One is train up to send out, and the other is train up to keep, but keep loosely. We'll see some kingdom cost and some kingdom benefits here in this passage. Now Kevin has been bringing uh, you through the book of Philippians. I know he's been doing that faithfully, and I know he's been giving you the background, and, and you're very familiar with this congregation. You know that, that we see the start of this congregation in Acts chapter 16. Um, I, you know that uh, this is one of the first churches, if not the first church on the European continent, in Philippi, uh, in modern-day Greece. Uh, you know that uh, this, this congregation is a joy to Paul, uh, you've you've read and you've learned about how they've been partners with him. They are partnering with him in the gospel mission and in the gospel message. Uh, you you know all of that, and you know how uh, Paul uh, taught this congregation to be humble like Jesus, to consider uh, the attitude of that of Jesus Christ. Though he was equal with God, he didn't consider his position with God as something to be used for his own advantage, but he humbled himself, and he humbled himself even to the point of death, death on a cross, and his obedience to the Father is why he was exalted. Now we get to the part of the letter where Paul has some things to tell this congregation, this beautiful, supportive, c- committed congregation. Paul is, uh, we're not really sure where he's at. I'm sure Kevin gave you the... the uh, the theories are where Paul's writing this letter, but we do know that he is, is in somewhat of a prison, and we know that the end of his life may be uh, approaching. We don't know if uh, he was released from prison after this and went on to have a fruitful ministry before he was, he was brought back in and executed, or, or maybe uh, the, the end of his life was, was near here. But we see this aspect of training up to send out in the person of Timothy. There are two characters in this story, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy, you know, is Paul's prodigy. He's he's, uh, the apprentice to Paul. Paul is the master, and he's been training Timothy up. And he's been training Timothy so that the work that Paul started can continue. Paul says that it's God's grace at work in me. That allows me to work. And Paul also is, tells Timothy in another letter. Timothy entrusts these things to faithful men who can then train others. So Paul himself is looking for a faithful man to entrust the gospel to. And just as a parenthesis, as a personal challenge uh, for me and for you. Are we presenting ourselves to be people worthy of entrusting the gospel? Young men, are you on a trajectory toward being a faithful man? Young women? Are you on a path that's going to, to lead to faithfulness at the end of the road? Are you in some sort of self destructive mode right now? Here's what I've learned in all my wisdom of 35 years, right? When I was a teenager, it was experimental. When I was in my 20s in college, it was kind of habit that i would come in and out but when we reach our 30s it's who we are and i'm telling you teenagers college students young people whoever you are now that's who you're going to be in the future there's going to come a day when you wake up and it's just who you are and the healthy people in your life Will have distanced themselves from you. Because they want to be healthy followers of Jesus. Healthy adults. And healthy adults don't like to be around unhealthy adults. So as Christians. I want to ask. And Lord speaking to me. And I pray speaking to you. Am I proving myself. To be a person. Worthy of entrusting. The glorious gospel to. Am I proving to be a person of character, a person of integrity. And I beg, I beg by God's grace that He would be kind and lead you to repentance and that any self-destructive behavior that you're on, which is a nice way of saying sin, that any sin in your life, that you would repent, you would confess and trust the sovereign Creator, the love and mercy of God, that when we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. The songs we sang were so beautiful. One day we'll be loosed from this flesh, these chains of sin, and stand before the judge in blood-washed linen and say, all I have is Christ. And that's all we need. Paul has been teaching those very same things to this guy, Timothy. But his purpose for training Timothy, look in verse, uh, in verse 19. We'll just kind of walk through this uh, so that uh, we have time to, to go through the Uganda report. Look in verse 19. Here's Paul's hope. I hope, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Now, why is Paul wanting to send Timothy? Is there some kind of instruction that needs to go on? Is there some kind of correction? Is Paul upset to say, now, don't make me send Timothy? Why does he hope to send Timothy to you soon? Look, so that I may be encouraged when I hear news about you. Most of us, when we're in crisis situation, we don't know what the future's about. who do we want everybody to know about? Us. It's about me. I'm the one in crisis. But look at Paul's attitude. I hope to send Timothy to you. Because I want to hear what's going on with you. I want to hear the news about you. Why Timothy? Verse 20. I have no one else like-minded who would genuinely care about your interests. This goes back to Timothy being a man of integrity, a man of character. There is no one else that Paul trusts like he trusts Timothy. He says, there is no one else who has the same mind that I do. I know that he will genuinely care about your interests. He's not out for selfish ambition. He's out for the kingdom. And he says even in verse 21, he acknowledges, most people, they seek their own interest. They don't seek those of Jesus Christ. Verse 22, but you know Timothy. You know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son of with a father. Timothy has been trained for the purpose of being sent out. And he had some some very challenging assignments from his mentor, Paul. Because of Timothy's proven himself to be a man of integrity and a man of character, because Timothy is like-minded with Paul in the mission and has the same regard for congregations in verse twenty-three. That's why I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Here's another pastoral concern of Paul. Things might be dark in his life. The end might be near. But Paul doesn't say that in a letter. He wants to say it in person. And if he can't be there himself, he's going to send the next best thing he can. And that's Timothy. To share the news about what's going on with Paul. So here's Timothy. Trained up to send out. And in our congregations, we've had that. We've had seminary students come through the last five years I've been here. Uh, We've had people that come in, they get trained up, and then they're sent out. We're seeing that happen even at Grace Baptist with the replant. There are people who trained up here at Cross Point, and they are a valuable asset to the congregation, to the work in Mid-City Baton Rouge and to Grace Baptist. They were trained up here and they were sent out. And there will be more. That's just the way God does it. He provides congregations who will center themselves around his word, who will submit and obey his word, and then God will do what only God can do. So the Crosspoint congregation, I want to encourage you to continue to be diligent in your business and in your ministry here with, with church uh, with the resources that God provides to Crosspoint, how will they be used to benefit the kingdom? Not to benefit ourselves, but to benefit the kingdom. That's the first character, Timothy, trained up to, to be sent out. Let's look at the next character, Epaphroditus. This is uh, He was most likely the, the pastor at this congregation, at uh, what some would say First Baptist Philippi, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he he was most likely uh, the pastor there, this congregation, and look at at how Epaphroditus he kind of contrasts to Timothy. In verse twenty-five, but I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. So there's the first contrast. What does he hope with Timothy? He hopes with Timothy. I I hope to send Timothy to you. Now we get to Epaphroditus. Says Epaphroditus, there is no other option. I'm sending him back to you. It's necessary. To send this cat back to you. Why? Is Epaphroditus proven to be unfaithful? Is he, is he baggage that Paul doesn't need? No. Look how Epaphroditus is, is uh, characterized. Paul says, he's my brother. He's my co-worker. He's my fellow soldier. And, and a sermon could be spent just in those terms of Epaphroditus being a brother to Paul, being a co-worker to Paul, being a fellow soldier of Paul. But look what Epaphroditus is to the congregation. He is your messenger. And the original language of the New Testament, this is the word apostolos, where we get the word apollos, I, apollos apostle. And the word apostle simply means one who is sent. So Epaphroditus is to Paul, his brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, but he is to this congregation in Philippi, the one that they have sent to serve Paul. He is their messenger and their minister sent to serve Paul's needs. Now look in verse 26. Why does Epaphroditus need to go back home? Well, he's homesick. He has been longing for all of you. And was distressed because you heard that he was sick. I really enjoy seeing personalities come out in the scripture. Do you have a family member? Or maybe you, you've you heard the saying, Man, you worry me sick. You just worried me to the point where I got sick. Well, Epaphroditus is already sick. And he's one of those guys who would say, I'm just worried sick. And in his sickness... He gets even more distressed. Do you see it? In verse 26, Epaphroditus, he's homesick. He wants to see all of you. He wants to be reunited. And he was distressed because you heard he was sick. So Epaphroditus is already sick. And then there's more stress added on top when he hears that it's been found out that he's sick. Now he's worried what kind of effect is this going to have on the congregation? Well, look at. The effect it had on Epaphroditus in verse 27 what happened he's so sick that he nearly died but however God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me so that I would not have one grief on top of another another picture of the pastoral attitude of Paul he would have one grief of losing his brother co-worker fellow soldier Epaphroditus Then he'd have another grief of a congregation that's grieving over the loss of one of their pastors. And so Paul was grateful to God that Epaphroditus, was uh, his health was restored and he was going on. This training up to keep loosely, we see the first kingdom cost here. There's a cost to advancing the kingdom of God and its relationships. I, as I look across this room, and I, I saw many of you last night, uh, we celebrated uh, the marriage of Stephanie Tucker to Luke Werner. As I look across this room, there, there are things I know about many of you, just deep, personal things. And there, there is a depth of relationship that I have with many of you. And I hope you'd feel the same way uh, about me, that you know many personal things about me. And in spite of that, you love me. There is a cost to relationships. Some Sundays, it's difficult to stand before another congregation. When the relationships have been here, those first few months were very difficult. People I don't know. Dynamics I'm not sure of. Here, I knew. And I remember telling one of the... uh, Older Grace members, when she asked one day, oh, why, do we, why do the old have to give way to the young? I'd been very patient up to this point. And I said, "Miss So-and-so, there are 60 of us who are happy to go back where we came from. We know it. We love it. We're loved. We're just being obedient to God. Are you speaking on behalf of yourself or the group? She said, well, we're, we're, I'm happy you're here. We're, we're happy you're here. It's okay. Now let's move on. There comes a cost to obedience. And one of those costs is relationships. A second cost, in the case of Epaphroditus, is his health. He, he's homesick. And somehow he gets sick, and we don't know what this illness is. And then there's the additional stress of knowing that his his people know that he's sick and they, they are concerned about him, this cost of health. There's also the cost of comfort. Philippi is located in the Roman Empire. Caesar is a god. What's Epaphroditus doing? He's going around telling people, hey, there is a god, and it ain't Caesar. There is one sovereign king, and it's not a man. He was a man, but he was crucified, he was obedient to the Father to the point of death and resurrected and now sits at the right hand of the Father and he has sent us his spirit to empower us and to teach us the truth. Epaphroditus and Paul and the other ragamuffins who were following Jesus, they stood in the face of an empire, of arguably one of the greatest empires in the civilization of man. They stood in the face and said, You are not king. We will not bow to you. It cost them comfort. It literally would cost Paul his head. It would cost Peter his life. Many of the disciples went on to die a martyr's death. There is a kingdom cost and our comfort. Today, uh, I know that I am not very aware of... Uh, I don't take full advantage of the freedoms that I'm given here in this country. I know that, and I, I pray that you would pray with me on that. I know others of you do, and uh, Chris, I'm always encouraged by your ministry. You've got, Chris knows that we've got freedom to preach in public places, and if you're ever at the DMV early in the morning, uh, you might see Chris out there preaching, witnessing. There may come a day when we're not allowed to do that. And I wonder, how will God judge me? What did I do with the freedoms I'm afforded being a citizen here in this country? How did I use it for the kingdom? But there may be a cost one day. Now let's also see there are kingdom rewards, kingdom benefits. Look in verse 28. One of the benefits is relationships. Right? I, I just said, well, Byron, you just said it's a cost. Well, it's also a benefit. Welcome to the paradox of Christianity. Verse 28. For this reason, I am very eager to send Epaphroditus so that you may rejoice when you see him again. You see that benefit of a relationship? And I get this. Being here even this morning is very exciting for me. I rejoice to see your faces. I rejoice when we're able to combine ministry and do things together, the Grace Congregation and the Crosspoint Congregations. I rejoice to see your face. And look at Paul, too that I also may be less anxious. (laughs) Here's Paul saying, look, take Epaphroditus back. This brother, he's sickly. (laughs) He's he's a worrywart. I'm going to be less anxious when Epaphroditus is is out, when he's he's back at home where he belongs. But we see this kingdom benefit of relationships, that though we may be apart, there are times when we are together. And, of course, verse 29 uh, talks about the way that those that are trained up to keep. We welcome him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in honor. I also want to say to the uh, Crosspoint congregation that I I know of no other church that displays so much honor and love towards its leaders. Now, I'm not saying that... uh, for it to be empty words, I mean that. Even f- personally, when we celebrate communion, I called Miss Linda to ask, what, uh, what kind of bread are we going to have? She said, there's a full piece of pita bread because I know you like to tear it. And I asked AJ to give a full piece of pita bread. I, that may sound silly to you, but you don't know what that means to me as a minister. That kind of care, that kind of of honor. And I can speak for all the guys that I've served alongside here at Crosspoint. They would feel the same way. So we see the kingdom benefit of relationships. Now look at verse 30. Here's another kingdom benefit. There's eternal significance. Epaphroditus came close to death. For what reason? For the work of Christ. Again, we don't know what illness Epaphroditus had. But he came very close to death. And the reason Epaphroditus went out was to advance the kingdom, the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. So the challenge for us from from, uh, this verse is what are we doing to advance the work of Christ? Christ. How are you advancing the work? How am I advancing the work? Are we pouring ourselves out? Uh, One of the Greek words means to to work toward exhaustion, to exhaust myself for the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean burn out for the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean neglect your family for the kingdom of God. But it means to to gather my family and for us to, to work with eternal significance in mind, not just for temporal gain, but how can we use our earthly gains for heavenly advancement? So those are the bullet points that I want to leave you with in finishing Philippians chapter 2. We see Timothy being trained up to be sent out. That has happened here, and I'm praying that it continues to happen here. We see Epaphroditus, one who is trained up, but went out for a little bit, but he's really meant to keep, but to keep loosely. But there are going to be costs in following Jesus. There's the whole, Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, which I commend to you, very challenging. Read the Sermon on the Mount. That in itself is very challenging on following Jesus. But kingdom cost, it may cost us relationships, but it's okay because there is coming a day when we will be together eternally. There will be no darkness, there will be no sin, no sickness, there will be no personality clashes. We'll be together forever. At the foot of the one who has created us and has redeemed us and justified us and sanctified us. So the earthly relationships, though we may not be as close as we used to be, it's okay. Because we're working together so that we will enjoy eternity together. We work for Christ and we will be with Christ. There's going to be a cost of our health or our comfort. But there's also the benefit of... With the relationships, being together, and a benefit of doing work that lasts for eternity. And I don't want to stretch the scripture to match the picture program that I'm going to show you with Uganda. uh, So I'm not going to attempt to do that. But I think that you'll be able to see the natural connection of what the scripture asks, what God asks us to do in modeling our ministry and what we're doing. So earlier this year, uh, Kevin... Myself and a guy named Nick Taylor, who's the pastor at First Baptist uh, Pollock, uh, we went on an exploratory trip to Uganda. Uh, As you know, uh, we were in Uganda last November. Uh, Jordan's been with me a few times, uh, Sarah Arsenault, Emma Taylor, Jason Curry, others of you have gone. Uh, We went uh, this few months ago to find new partners to work with. New churches. We spent a week with an IMB missionary, Dr. Vernon Sivage, that we've been working with the last five years. Uh, He is a teacher at the Uganda Baptist Seminary, whom we partner with. We send them money every month. And uh, I've got some pictures that I I want to show you. Uh, So, um, you want me to move? Right here. All right, Bernard. Let's start with uh, with one picture, or with the with the first picture. All right. I thought, man, you know, from intern to associate pastor, you guys are wearing him out, you know, Kevin. But um, I told Kevin uh, this was going to be the first picture, and he said, "Thanks, man. Appreciate it." But uh, this is us in in a car. Uh, we're taking a long journey to to three villages, uh, well, uh, two villages and one town. Uh, the names of the places, you, you won't remember them, but uh, Budaka, Palasaw, and Kariki, okay? Do uh, you want to say that? Budaka, Palasa, Kariki. All right, Bernard, let's go uh, to the next picture. Uh, this is Bugiri Baptist Church. This is who we've been partnered with for the last uh, four or five years or so. This is their new worship center, uh, They have, we helped them raise funds to build this, and I think we put the roof on it, and it's a beautiful uh, facility. And so that's what it looks like now, and when we go back in November, they want to have a building dedication. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, Hey, can we kill the lights? Thanks, guys. Maybe it'll make it easier. And these uh, long for us. Wow, there we go. That's inside uh Bulgari Baptist Church. That's still a dirt floor, and they're raising funds to uh, make it uh, cement. This group of people, they're called the Happy Family. Their their tribe is called Karamajong. They're known to be uh, liars, to be thieves, to be... Uh, they they uh, molest their children. They don't work. They scavenge. They send their children out to the garbage cans every day to... To scavenge for food. And these children have been involved at the ministry at Bugiri Baptist Church. The Karamajong moved into town and settled, um, quote, on the other side of the tracks. And they settled in the corner of town where nobody uh, would, would uh, engage them, everyone would ignore them. But Bugiri Baptist, on our trip in November, we went there and we, we led Bugiri Baptist to engage. Uh, this tribe, the Karamajong, and as a result, the children have come to the church, and now they don't call them the Karamajong children because of the connotation that the word Karamajong has. Instead, they have nicknamed them the happy family because the children are happy now. Uh, their bellies are full. They're starting to go to school because of the support that we give to the child support center there in Bugiri. All right, Bernard? Uh, This is uh, Nick. He's going off to preach. That's Jackson on the right. We've helped him with his uh, seminary study some. That's a boda-boda is the name of the motorcycle. And the reason is it comes from border to border. If somebody needed to travel from border to border, the cheapest way to do it is by motorcycle. And so slang, it's just called boda-boda. So this is uh, Nick getting on a boda-boda to go preach, and he took about a 30-minute ride And if you're wondering where Jackson sat, it's right behind Nick. (laughs) So they ride three easily uh, with a child on front sometimes. Okay? This is uh, Budaka. This is Budaka Baptist Church. Uh, Bernard, let's show one of those videos of Budaka Baptist Church. And uh, this is their worship center, and it's located right on the outskirts. Well, it's in a village. Uh, Let's do the other one. And I want you to see um, the the believers here. Uh, Yeah, there you go. They're getting ready to build. These are bricks. And the way the bricks are formed, uh, they go to ant piles or termite piles and uh, fill it with water, make mud. These are mud bricks. And then wood is inserted. There are fireplace openings, well, it looks like fireplace openings, underneath the bricks, and they'll burn for three days or a couple of weeks, and they fire the bricks, just like a kiln, and then the bricks are as hard as any construction material uh, that, that we have here in the United States. Those are 10,000 bricks in one pile. That's 20,000 altogether, 10,000 right here on the left and another 10,000 on, on the right, and they're going to use those bricks to build a wall. You can see that currently, that there is no wall, and where there is, that's just banana leaf that's been draped uh, as a wall. Termite pile or, or an ant pile. Yeah, the, the termite piles are very tall there, and that's where the, the red dirt, and so I'll just go in and mix water to make mud and form bricks and then stack them and fire them. Okay, let's go back to the pictures. Now these are the reason I'm I'm giving you these pictures. These are three sites that, uh, Kevin and I and the missionary, through through praying and discerning, we believe these are the three sites that the Lord would want us to partner with next. And the question is to what extent, and that's going to to be given to the to the congregation here. But uh, here, Vernon Sivage, the IMB missionary, and uh, Pastor Richard, they're. Uh, Drawing plans right now on how to build the building right there in the dirt. Okay. This is Palisaw Baptist Church. That's Pastor Simon. He's a very tall man, and one of the members of his congregation built a podium for him. Uh, that if if I stood behind it, the top comes to about right here. He's he's a very tall man. Uh, both Pastor Simon and Pastor Richard, they were. Uh, not born to Christian families. And in fact, uh, their fathers have multiple wives. And uh, Pastor Philemon, who we'll see in a little bit, he has 24 siblings. Uh, with uh, His father has multiple wives. But this is uh, Pastor Simon at Palisaw Baptist Church. He is He's earned his master's degree at Uganda Baptist Seminary. Very well-educated man and a deep the, uh, theologian. Okay, Bernard, let's go to the next one. This is inside of their worship center, and you can see that there is a roof shelter. And you also see that there's a brick wall around that roof. Now, uh, Lee, you're a home builder. W- what happens when the roof is inside of the walls and it rains? <laughs> so it floods. The rain drains onto the floor, and now that there are walls, uh, you know, it floods. But. It's not that they didn't think of that. It's because to have some shelter from the sun and the rain is better than to have no shelter at all. People tolerate the the water just flowing by or bailing the water out uh, of the doorstep because the doorstep, also the threshold is built up. At this church, we have the opportunity to help them get a permanent structure just like we do at the previous church that you saw. Now, both of these pastors, they are, and the congregation, they are uh, raising their own money, and they're doing their own work. You saw the bricks at the other church, and I've, I've got word recently that they've already started to put those bricks around. Okay, let's go to the next one. This is on our way to the last site, Kariki. It's a village that is in a, the northeastern part of Uganda, uh, near the Kenyan border. I asked Vernon, the missionary, I asked him, where's the place that you've always wanted to go, but you never got to? What's the dream place? What's your dream by the time you leave the mission field? Where would you want gospel presence? He said, there's this village named Kariki that I've always heard about, but I've never been to. I heard we used to have Baptist church there. But it's located in a region that was wiped out by some of Idi Amin's forces. This, uh, he was just an evil ruler in Uganda in the 60s and such. And in the late 70s, this place was wiped out. He said, I would like to go there and have gospel presence there again. I said, well, let's go. That, that's where we're going to go. And he said, well, all, all the other churches want to work over it. I said, we're not all the other churches. Let's go. So this is on the road to Kariki. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, this just shows more of uh, the landscape and the terrain of this part of Uganda. You can see it's very mountainous, and we're taking this dirt road uh, over over this mountain. Okay, that's the dirt road that we're driving, and we're headed to that saddle. You see the saddle in the mountain in the in the background. That's where we're headed to. These are some goats. Uh, all right, Bernard, let's do that, that uh, other. Vi- is there a goat video? Just want to show you what, what a normal uh, drive looks like. And, uh, coach, you can sponsor goats in Uganda mm-hmm. as well. As <laughs> now, there's a Boda Boda that's coming. It's in, the, it's in the background. You can see the dust that it's making as it's making its way toward us. And, yes, there are three passengers on that boda Boda coming through the goats. <laughs> so that, that's a typical sight in the bush of Africa as well, the bush of Uganda. Let's go back to the pictures. Okay, next one. All right, let's go to the next picture. This is also a common sight. That's a pickup truck um, that it has a bed in the back. And there are people standing up in the bed, and there are people that are sitting on top of the guardrail, uh, with people standing up inside, and then there's a rail that's been welded around, and those are guys sitting on top. That's a common sight as well, just a people mover. These are some of the huts in this part of Uganda. Uh, As I mentioned, many people, they were wiped out by Idi Amin's forces. Their homes were burned, villages burned down, and s- people have begun to resettle in 2006. They started to resettle. And these are just uh, mud brick huts with thatched roof. Okay? It's just the soil. You can see how fertile it is in this part of Uganda, such a beautiful land. Okay? Now we're getting into the village of Kriki. Next one. That's us uh, having lunch. It pretty much was the only building like that. We stopped, and uh, we asked if, well, we could smell some food, and we said it, asked if we could have lunch, and we were invited to sit down. Okay, Bernard? And so we're sitting down having lunch. Uh, The fella all the way on the right, that's Pastor Philemon, okay? Uh, He is holding in his hand what's called chapati. It's uh, like a pancake, and it's just uh, really, really good. It's a staple there. This is on top of a hill looking down at the village of Kariki. And there's one more video that, that I want to show you. It's uh, of the missionary talking, uh, Vernon Sivage. And th- there's, a, there's some wind noise at the beginning, but uh, it, it will soon die down. But it's pretty obnoxious, the wind noise.
1: This place was abandoned in which year? This
0: one in a little bit, he's going to give us the background of this hill and uh, what's going on. I-, I wanted you to hear it directly from him. Okay.
1: This was an area... pastor was sent to plant a church among the people of this village. This was in 1974-1975. By 1979 the instability of the overthrow of President Idi Amin had reached this area and the instability of the people raiding cows from Kenya or from Uganda caused all of the inhabitants of this place, the permanent inhabitants, to have to flee. And they did flee for almost 40 years. This gentleman behind me came back six years ago in 2006. But for that period of time, from 1979 to 2005-2006, this area was unsecure. Permanent residents couldn't stay here. So today we have returned. where Baptists worked 40 years ago to see if we can revitalize the work that they began. Uh, We're here on the foundation site where the Baptist pastor lived at that time 1974, 75, 76. And just uh, off here to my right on a flat area on the side of this hill was where a Baptist church once stood the gospel of grace to the people of this area, we pray to God that again that gospel will fall upon the ears of the hungry people of this area.
0: At the end there, you may not have heard him, but he said, we pray to God that the gospel of grace would fall upon the ears of those who are hungry, that it would fall again. When we pulled into this village, it was the first time Vernon had been there. He heard about it. Vernon was my age when he moved to uh, Africa 30-something years ago. He'd always heard of the legends of the missionaries that were located out here. They would shoot lion and wild game. uh, Very common for them to do that. Not for sport, but for personal protection. He had heard about these, these missionaries who were just out in the frontier starting a Bible college in the area and having students who were who are learning about the gospel, who are showing themselves to be faithful, to be entrusted with the gospel, training up Timothy's to send them out. We go back. We pull into the village. We get out. Uh, Mizungu is the name for a traveler. We get out of the car. The children are screaming, Mizungu, Mizungu. And there's a lady that approaches us and the man with the staff. And I, I ask, do you remember a Baptist church here in Kiriki. He says, yes, it was on the hill. I'll show you. We walk up this hill. And this is a view from from on top of that hill. While we're standing there, and, and that's when I recorded Vernon. I said, Vernon, why don't you tell us a story here? That's what you just heard. Shortly after this, a woman comes up. And uh, Bernard, go to the next picture. And the next one. And the next one. There's a woman right in the middle standing there, uh, between uh, Kevin and Nick, she comes up to us and she says, what are you doing here? Vernon says, well, I'm a Baptist missionary from Jinja, and we knew that there was a Baptist church here, and we wanted to see it. She said, have you come to rebuild the church? You know, and I looked at Vernon, yes. <laughs> He's like, yes. <laughs> and she said, this grandfa- this hill belonged to my grandfather, and he gave it to the Baptist." Uh, to build a church and to worship here and to to preach the Bible, and he had a house here on the hill. She said, "My grandfather gave it to the Baptists, and so it's going to remain uh, with the Baptist." Now, that was very exciting until we got back to the bottom of the hill, and word had spread what these Mzungus were up to. And there is a uh, there is a strong Muslim population that is growing uh, in Uganda, and it's uh, it's not. All radical Islam like like we, we see on the news but it's just uh, Uganda is very strategic to Islam being advanced all through all the way to South Africa Uganda is a barrier right now and Uganda Baptist Seminary is one of those uh, tools that are being used to prevent false gospel from being preached all over Uganda Kariki, is strategically located. It's a place of resettlement, and it's also located on the border. Only the brightest and best can be trusted to proclaim the gospel there. Pastor Philemon is also, uh, has also graduated from Uganda Baptist Seminary, has earned his, his MDiv, I think, even through uh, Southeastern. Uh, there's a partnership there. That's another sermon, which is beautiful. Pastor Philemon, his father used to herd cattle in these fields. And his father was slaughtered, and all of his cattle stolen. Philemon uh, did not grow up a believer. He did not grow up in a Christian home. He was saved by God's grace, converted, empowered with the Holy Spirit, called to ministry, and now Philemon is going to go back to the place where his father was killed, was murdered, brutally murdered. And Philemon is going to bring the gospel to the same tribe that took his father, there is no natural explanation for that. We see in the scriptures that there is a cost of discipleship, and there is tremendous benefit and reward. So, Kariki, uh is is a place that I believe God is calling us to to uh, partner with. It's it would be another five year. Partnership like we've had with Bulgaria, and more details will come will come out. I just wanted to present to you what what we found. Uh, Palisaw Baptist Church, they've got a very gifted pastor. They'll just need help with some physical resources. Budaka Baptist Church, uh, they need help with some physical resources, but also with us going and helping to do pastors training, like we've done at Bulgaria, do vacation Bible clubs, uh, Bible schools, do ladies conferences. So those are the three areas that, that uh, we saw that the missionary felt led to bring us to. And we saw some other things, and we met with other people, but these are the three that, that uh, Kevin and I were both drawn to, and the three that I wanted to present to you today. And we thought that it was fitting, this passage of Philippians, where that would have been preached today anyway. But we thought it was just very fitting to do the pulpit swap today to show uh, Timothy, Epaphroditus, how God builds the kingdom through his people, and then to show you uh, what, what we have been doing and what we are doing in Uganda. Uh, Bernard, I think there may be just a couple of pictures left, uh, just some, some shots of, uh, this is a classroom. Uh, this is me taking pictures through a window. Just scroll through those, Bernard. Some kids are coming in. Okay, next one, next one, uh, next one. The kids, the classrooms filling up, right? Ann, is that your ratio of children in classroom? There, there's the uh, school right there. That lady on the right, she's the one whose grandfather owns the hill. I told you about the hill. I started to tell you that that there's word spread like wildfire that the Mzungus wanted to um, put a Baptist church there, a Protestant church, to preach the gospel, and the one of the town elders got very upset and. The uh, town elders are going to have to discuss this. And uh, I, I told the, uh, the strong, uh, the guy who is not a Christian, who felt very strongly against us building up there, I told him that you can have the hill. God's kingdom is not of this world. One day every mountain and hill will be made low. Every valley will be raised up. It will all be straight and it won't matter. You can have your false gospel on top of the hill. We'll preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hill will one day fall. So it doesn't matter that physical hill or not. What matters is the gospel of grace is proclaimed in Baton Rouge, in Louisiana, the United States, North America, and all people groups, all ethnic communities in our city and in the world. This lady, she's a Christian and she's training the children at her school. You can see that. Uh, the structure of the school is just brick i mean uh, sticks kind of woven together to act as as a, a weave as studs, and then it 's stuffed with mud and on the outside, mud and dung will be will be spread to to act like stucco. That man in the red shirt came up to the missionary. This man is a graduate of that Bible college that was started forty years ago and uh, so we've got somebody who can who can teach the Bible there to help uh, Pastor Philemon. That's uh, that's an oven uh, with with uh, wood at the bottom. This is the Uganda Baptist Seminary. They're building a new uh, facility, a new classroom. That's a scaffolding structure right there. Casey, is that what Brand uses uh, for scaffolding? It's just uh, some some logs tied together. All right, the next one. Uh, This is a guy in the city on a boda-boda carrying bags of charcoal and a bunch of bananas. This is uh, boda-bodas in the city. That's a common mode of transport. It's another shot of the city. And there's a Bulgari Baptist Church again. Well, I know it's probably been an unusual, particularly if you're visiting today. This has been a very unusual (laughs) uh, um, sermon-slash-presentation. Uh, please come back next week and listen to Kevin preach. He's a very gifted preacher. Uh, and Crosspoint Congregation, that's kind of uh, the report from your missions pastor. Um, it's really a, a joy and pleasure for me to, to be here this morning, and I've said all of that already uh, in the sermon flowing straight from the text. We're going to have, of uh, course, communion, and it's uh, an honor for me to, to uh, lead that. And I want to ask the deacons to come up uh, at this time as we uh, prepare the table. It's a privilege.